The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Join us as Pastor Randy Rehm shares truths from God's unchanging Word. We are in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. Now, chapter 9 covers this whole thing, but we're, for today, we're only going to read 1 through 7 and cover that. Next week, I'll just preempt you. You can stand up. You, next week, we are talking epistemology next week. Okay, because of a common word throughout this parochopy that happens. And, and so we'll talk about that. If you don't know, look it up in the meantime. So, John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And he passed by and saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It is neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must Work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Saloma, which is translated sent. So he went away washed, and came back seeing. You may be seated. Again, I want you to realize there's a whole lot more to this story. We'll begin to talk about next week um, as people begin to wonder how this event happened. All right? Um, But I want to... There was just so much material here. If I tried to cover the whole thing, we'd be here too long, of the whole chapter, because there's a bunch of things that happens in the chapter, and particularly at the end that we need to spend some time on. So, so chapter 8, as you heard me speaking to the kids, Jesus had been teaching for, for a while there now at, well, four days at least, at the temple during the Feast of Tabernacles. And now, it, the text seems that some period of time we don't know, It doesn't seem to be immediate. It doesn't seem to be necessarily near the temple. Now, I think there's an ironic statement here. Here it is. When he saw a man blind from birth. I'm sorry. To me, there's just some irony in that. They saw a man who couldn't see. I, I know I'm weird, okay? But I see that kind of thing, okay? And, And I don't think God put things in the Bible for accident. All right. The point is, you have people that are seeing that has something that the other fellow does not, and they've taken note of that, and they assume that the reason the other person doesn't have a new car, oh, I mean, doesn't have what they have, somebody's a sinner. Okay. We, we like to think this way, since America's financially prosperous, it must be we have the right God thing, and the, and the, and the third world apparently doesn't, right? See our assumption? Don't, don't think we're that far off. But verse 8 tells us he's also begging. That, that's how you made a living. The government didn't send you a check. 
Now, if you're on disability, I'm not putting that down, okay? There are people that are truly disabled that can't work, okay? So I'm not putting that down, but I'm just saying in their culture, that's how somebody with a disability, okay, or lack ended up to stay out of a prison, the poorhouse. And it says that he, it tells us that they knew that he had been blind since birth. Now, how did they know? There wasn't something obvious. Obviously, the fellow was known for this because later in the chapter, the people are going, hey, isn't this the blind guy? No, no, notice this. That's how he's identified. He's known by his disability. He's known by what he does not have. How he is different from, in their eyes, a lesser sense. They're different in a less way. And so his disciples know this about the man. This man has known nothing else all his life. You, you heard me taking the kids. Now, now you know, if I, if I say a word for you, I say the word chair. I say the word Christmas. That always brings pictures into people's heads. Beach. What goes in your head? Not B-E-A-C. A image of a beach. So it comes to your head wherever you've been to the beach, whether it's the Oregon coast or the tropics. This guy's never seen one to put a picture in his head. If I say Jesus heals the blind man, you get this image of your head of probably what looks like that Western pictures you've seen of Jesus and a guy with a turban on his head wearing a robe and Jesus is healing him. This guy has no pictures in his head. He has feelings. Oh, chair, the thing that feels like this. I want you to understand this. He's, been, he's known no other way. The only way he's known to make a living since he's been of age on his own, of age is what his parents call him later, is to beg. All he is known as being reliant on others to eat, to have a coat, to have something to carry water in. He's always been reliant on someone else. He knows nothing else. I'm doing this because I want you to show his life's been changed. Everything, when this guy got Jesus heals this guy, everything about this guy is radically changed. How many of you have seen those videos online? I, I watched one a week ago where they get the, the implant for hearing. And I, you know, you've seen when the little babies here for the first time. Well, this particular one is this, this gal who, who's been uh, dating this fellow for some period of time, and they get it on, and she's crying like they always do. And the first word she hears him say, I love you, will you marry me? The girls would go, oh, how sweet. Anyway, and that was pretty cool. It was emotional because from that point on, this is the first time she hears the guy she's going to spend her life with, hopefully, hears his voice, and that's what she hears. This guy... Everything, every form of input that he understood just changed. How he saw the world changed. I'm going to put it this way. His worldview changed. But see, his disciples are still stuck in a particular worldview. Now, I know they're followers of Christ. I know they believe in him. But, but they still are impacted by the world they're raised in. And they asked Jesus a question. Now, this question seems to be what the catalyst for the rest of the events. Would they have just walked by the beggar, flipped him a coin, whatever? I don't know. But this is where Jesus stops. But the, their assumption is that 
this person's a victim of someone's sin. And like you heard me tell the kids, they, 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 if, if something bad happened in your life, all right, or if you don't have a new car, a new house, you don't have enough. You must have. But what when you're born that way? It couldn't have been something you did, could it? Could it be something that God foresaw that you would do, so therefore you're born? This is what the assumption is. Or was the boy, when he was born, okay, man now, paying the price of some sin his parents had done? Okay? It is that tendency in humanity to think a person's misfortunes and consequences in their life are due to that person's sin. Or, today, it's never my sin, it's somebody else's. I'm this way because, well, I was raised this way. Somebody told me I was ugly when I was little, or you know, didn't love me right, or something like that. That tends to be, except we get this assumption because for some reason we think life is just. Just, I didn't say fair, I said just. That for some reason, you get what you deserve in this life. That, I'm going to be honest, how, I don't know, I'm not sure how, where they get that. Again, you can go online and watch the video of the lion, the cheetah, the tiger chasing down the herd of whatever. And they don't go for the, the they go for the little bitty cute baby one. That doesn't seem fair to the little cute baby one. Has all of its life, gets ate by the lion. Matter of fact, people cheer. When the lion starves to death, then the little baby gazelle gets away. Life don't last too long that way. Okay? We, we have this idea, though, because in creation, we can see God. Romans 1. We know there needs to be some form of justice. Hitler-type guys can't just shoot themselves in a bunker, and that's it. Somehow, there has to be justice. And we want to take that and plug it into the life we see. I don't know why it should happen to him. They're, they're just a good person. I mean, why couldn't it happen to pick whoever you want? We, we have that tendency. They do too. Um, but it's also rooted in an improper understanding of the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20 and 5... You shall not worship other gods and serve them, right? For I am the Lord, your God. I am a jealous God, inflicting the punishment of the fathers on the children, on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Wrong application. This is a national statement to Israel. Because later Jesus says, I don't, I don't directly, particularly genetically, children and fathers, I don't do that. I, I don't curse them like that. As a nation, the nation that worships other gods, you, this is a covenant with Israel. Does the Ten Commandments still apply? Yes. But he's telling the nation of Israel, if you have idol worship, it's going to get your kids, your kids' kids, and their kids. Let me put it another way. When you decide to throw God out of culture and replace it with the God of materialism, evolutionary man stuff that, you know, we're, we're so powerful, we, we, we change the weather. I'll leave that. When we do that, trust me, two to three generations down the road, you're going to be seeing it. Come on, I don't, I don't need to draw that to you. 
uh, the, our culture today, what we see is a product of the idolatry of our fathers, their fathers, and their fathers. Culturally. That does not stop me from being culpable for how I live in this culture. But So we have two things going here. They know there has to be some justice somewhere. And a misunderstanding, they take that statement and apply it individually. Jesus quickly and unambiguously corrects this thinking. All right? Jesus said, neither was it that this man sinned. No, he didn't say this. Uh, it's not because this guy never sinned. This guy didn't sin. His parents never sinned. That is not what he says. He's saying the cause of this is not their sin. He's never saying they didn't sin. Rather, or but it was so that, so that. Anytime you see a so that in Scripture, bold that, highlight it, circle it. Let, let me give you the purpose for this. So that the works of God might be displayed in him. The cause of the blindness is not the sin of the individual or his parents. The cause of the blindness is God. Oh, did I say? No, I, God would never do that, would he? Now, let's get real. The cause of blindness might have been a bacteria in the womb. Could have been all kinds of things. But God's in charge of all bacteria and all viruses. Anyway, okay, God's in charge of all of those. God can easily... Stop that bacteria, that virus, that thing, that genetic fault, whatever it was, okay? God, according to David, God forms us in the womb. God formed this fellow in the womb with eyes that didn't work or spina bifida or some other genetic that we would talk about today. And what do we say to that? It's not because we have this idea of justice. Wait a minute. Innocent child. This shouldn't be this way. Well, what makes you say that? You have a sense of justness. Where does humanity get that from? The pool of ooze from which it evolved? Do you see that, that lion on the savannah going, we know we got to have justice here. You don't see it in the animal kingdom. You don't see it anywhere, but in humanity, there's that sense, wait a minute, there has to be, why? Because God is revealed in his creation. We were made in his image. We understand that. You, God himself is being displayed by the question. That the works of God, uh, the works of God might be displayed, that is, revealed, shown, manifested. And this, this will throw some of you off. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me. Doesn't say I. I, I looked into this myself. Some versions want to say I because it's improper to we and me. In English, we must sent me. Well, I must. And so some versions, some actually old text even change we 
who sent us because they want to make those two work. But the text is we. It's a different word than, than just a form of ego, which would be the word O, as we know it, the letter O, capital O, would, how we would say it in English, if that was just going to be I in that sense. Okay? Who's the we? Jesus and the blind man. The disciples have nothing to do with this miracle. They just ask a question. Probably a good question. Okay, nobody's arguing that. He and I, the blind man and I, got to do this thing because of the one who sent me. Must do the, must. Notice the word must. Some places translated necessary. Has to be. Okay? Must, must work the works of him who sent me. Okay? Now, what's interesting and intriguingly is that Jesus goes along, as we've already seen, whether he's feeding thousands, healing a lame man, correct? Or a guy lowered through a ceiling that's lame. Or raising a dead person. You know the, all the things in common there? People. Yes, God reveals himself in creation, thus the just. We have this idea of justice. But God displays himself mostly in people. Okay? And in this case, a disabled person. Now, maybe there's a more um, politically correct. Maybe you don't say disabled anymore. I, I don't know what you say. Okay? Uh, abled, I, I'm not sure. But forgive me, that's the way I'm presenting that. He had lacked an ability. God chose to reveal himself in a person. And the two of them together get to display the one, God, the one who sent him, do his works. Well, what's this guy do? He gets mud put in his eye. Gives a whole new meaning to it. Here's mud in your eye, doesn't it? Okay? Now, I think this is important. Of him who sent me. John's already used this phrase nine times. From chapter 4, right to this point, nine times. And he points out that the pool that Jesus sends the fellow to is translated sent. Okay? This is about bringing glory to the one who sent the Word from John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And He created all those things. The Word became flesh. Okay, God sent His Son. John 3, that, that, an encounter with Nicodemus. He, he's wanting you to understand that part of it. He sent me, and it's all about bringing glory to Him. And I want to point something out on a little side note. Uh, we've talked several times about the words of Christ. He's talking about believing his words. So this fellow also has to do that. Guy obeys his word without explanation of why he's doing it. All right, But, but I want you to understand that Jesus has said several times, I only do what the Father said, the one who sent me. I only repeat and say what the one who sent me told me to say. So if that Jesus, who is only saying what God the Father told him to say, and he said the Pentateuch was written by Moses. Who was it written by? If he says the word is truth, then it is truth. The reason I say that, I was listening to someone this week who has the idea that because of Jesus' humanity, okay, Jesus said things that were mistaken. 
My problem with that is then he would be disobedient to his father, and therefore he would be a sinner, and then he couldn't atone for my sins. He's, on, he's doing everything the one who sent him to do. So therefore, we must do this. This boy ain't got an option. One of the things you find here interesting is when he healed the guy by the other pool earlier. Okay, uh, What do you want? Remember that? This guy, he never asks the question. He never introduces himself. He just walks up. Excuse me. You see it? There's no account here he introduces himself. The disciples don't introduce himself. Now, let's go to it. The guy has ears, and his ears are probably working better than yours and mine. But there's nothing here that represents he's even heard Jesus teach. He's maybe heard about him. How does he know this is Jesus? I don't know. But Jesus just walks up to the guy, picks up dirt from the ground, spits it, and sticks it in his eye. I want you to think about that for a minute. You probably get punched, you try that. He must. The guy doesn't have an option. Jesus must do the work of one whom sin. And this guy's in it, so he ain't got an option either. He must. Then he says some things that are sort of, I don't know, more ambiguous for many people. As long as it is day, I need to do these things that are that he sent me to do. As long as it is day, night is coming when no one can work. Okay? Now, I think this has to be understood in the light of the next verse. You don't take it out of its context. What does he mean by that? As long as it is day, okay? For I am, while I am in the world, so that's what he's talking about. There's your day part. I am the light of the world. Okay, let me put it this way. Since we must do this thing, the only way it's happening is when I'm here. This is something, something the guy can do on his own, and this is not something you disciples are supposed to do because they're not even talked about in the rest of this. They haven't been talked about since chapter 6. All right, but it's not involving them. It's he and this fellow. We must do this. And uh, since I'm the light, the only way the guy who has never seen any light physically will ever see light is when I'm here. Let me put it the way we've seen it so far. For his hour had not yet come, or his day had not yet. Okay? God is orchestrating every moment of Christ's time on earth, every detail and every... I must go through Galilee. Remember when we saw, or excuse me, Samaria, and we saw that in his encounter with the woman at the well... I must, I must, necessary. Why? God's orchestrating all of Christ's life. Stop. He's also orchestrated every moment of the blind fellow's life. Now, I want you to imagine mom, being a mom and dad. Now, come on, we all know when your baby's born, you count every finger and toe, make sure they're healthy. And how do you know if an infant can see or not? It's sort of hard at first. You know, they put the little drops in their eyes. Uh, if you've had babies in recent history, okay, they put the little drops in their eyes and, and stuff. How do you know? At some point, mom and dad figured out this boy can't see. God, the pain they felt, the sadness they felt for their child, God orchestrated. We must do the work 
of the one who sent me. The place that fellow chose to beg. Or maybe his parents, maybe a friend led him there. I'm not sure. Where that moment where he was there when they're walking by and the disciples thought asking the question was their idea. It was their idea. But God orchestrated their question. That is hard for us in the case of people suffering. That is difficult for us to imagine that God would allow such a thing to happen. But the light has come into the world. Read John. For in him was life, and the life was the light of men. That's the first chapter. Okay. The man, we'll find out when we get towards the end of the chapter, who was physically blind, who gained physical sight, also gained spiritual sight when he was spiritually blind. Others not. Okay. That's when Jesus spits on the ground, makes the clay, and applies it to his eyes. Now, the word applied, epicrisen, which is the word, this is anoint on. It's the word anoint. Okay? So the word anoint means to smear originally in the Hebrew. Okay? So they would anoint with oil. They'd smear that on there, and there were different signs of that. But that's the core root of the word. So Jesus anoints this guy's eyes with dirt that he spit in. Let, let, let me put it another way. He, he, he spit on the dust of the earth and made the guy eyes. You don't believe me? I didn't come up with that. Irenaeus did in about 180, A.D. 180. That's pretty early. He, he does. He's one in his Against Heresies, uh, book 5, chapter 15, paragraph 2, in case you wanted to know. I'm sure you'll go home and look that up. Okay. That which the Word had omitted to form in the womb, namely the man's eyes, he supplied in public that the works of God might be manifested in him. When God formed the eyes of that fellow in the womb, if he had them, I don't know, we don't know why he's blind, either they didn't have them or they didn't work. The same one who, um, by the way, in chapter 1 created all things, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the, he, by him through all things were created, creates working eyeballs out of the same dust of the earth that he made mankind out of in the beginning. Just think about that for a minute. We can, we can take a kidney out of somebody or something or an animal and stick it in there, but we don't make new ones. Even if they think they can, maybe they'll get there someday, okay? Take cells, pull that genetic stuff out, put the other genetic stuff in there and grow a kidney. They didn't create one, okay? You, you took living stuff and got living stuff. Jesus took dead stuff and made life out of it. This is Stephen Wilson, and we want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope you were blessed by today's message. Truths from God's Unchanging Word is an outreach ministry of Kindred Bible Church in Caldwell, Idaho. If you would like to listen to other messages by Pastor Randy or learn more about Kindred Bible Church, visit kindredbible.org. Our prayer for you is that you grow closer to Christ as we study the truths from God's Unchanging Word.